Welcome to Adapt to This Live, the Atlassian Ecosystem Podcast. Today's episode, we're going to be addressing the imposter syndrome. Da, da, da. I'm Ryan Spilkin, and I'm joined as always by Matthew Stubblefield. Hey, Matthew. Or at least a reasonable facsimile of Matthew Stubblefield. It looks just like you, for those of you watching at home who's not actually watching. Today, we've got two very special guests. First is a repeat um, guest on our podcast. It's uh, Adaptivist Project Manager Brenda Burrell. Hello. Thanks for being here. Our other guest is Adaptivist Technical Consultant Christy Lyons, whose internal blog post actually got us talking about imposter syndrome in general. So, hi, Christy. Thank you so much for being here today. Hi. How are you? Oh, we're doing good. Pretty good, I think. So, when the way we do it, we kick things off with a thunderbolt round. And today's Thunderbolt round, we're going to talk about what have we faked and gotten away with. So here's what I faked and got away with. When I was 17, I decided that, you know what? I can run a mixing board in a, in a, a nightclub. <laughs> like, ah, oh, I understand what this stuff is. And my friend's band is up there and I can do this better than no one because there was no one at, at the time in the club running the board. They just turned everything on, right? So it was kind of a mess. So I decided that the best course of action would be to jump back there and to do it. So uh, I went back there and I, I you know, I, you, you see enough of it in popular culture to understand that the up and down ones control volume, right? So I started- Did you have some turntables? I've always understood that there are turntables involved and a headphone that you hold- Sideways. I did do the headphone thing, but there were no turntables. Nice. It was purely it was purely uh, audio engineer stuff. So I, I was trying to mix a band, and I'd never done it before. But my friends were playing. There was no one behind the board, and so I. You're just seventeen. Did. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, dumb. <laughs> so dumb. And you got away with it. I did. I did. I actually started, and that led me down a path towards becoming uh, a fairly reasonably you know, uh, competent, reasonably competent audio engineer. So that's my really time. <laughs> Almost. <Yeah>. So Brenda, <laughs> what about you? So one of my interests is photography and I really love taking pictures. And, um, so I was asked to do some senior photos for a coworker's son. I've never done senior photos before. Oh my gosh, this is, I can't possibly, you know, um, so I did the photo session and they were crazy happy with the photos and paid me more than I had asked for. And the results from that was I actually got additional like side gigs doing photography. I've nice. done some band photography. Um, it's something I really enjoy doing every, every single time I look at the photos and go, I'm terrible at this. Why are they paying me money? Uh, but people keep paying me money to do it. So I, I guess it's okay. So I, I feel like I have faked being a good photographer and totally gotten away with it more than once. Wow. Brenda, how many band photos have you taken out by the rail, the railroad tracks? Uh, enough. And brick walls? <laughs> All the brick walls. <laughs> All so right. many brick walls. <laughs> nice. Matthew, what did you fake? So when I was fairly young, I don't remember how young, I just, I, looking back in my, in my memory, I feel like I was a little kid, like 10, 11-ish, somewhere in there. 
uh, I was, I don't remember why, but I was on a catamaran, which if you're unfamiliar with it, is it's a sailing boat. I wouldn't call it a ship necessarily, but it's fairly good size and it's, and it's a sail ship. Um, and I was given the opportunity to pilot it. Uh, they asked, you know, I, my uncle had been a, you know, sort of semi-professional fisherman, like an amateur, like sport fisherman type guy. And I, you know, driven like speedboats or whatnot, but that's just like a wheel, you know, it's, it's not, you know, it, it turns the motor and it points you in the direction. And, uh, the, the, I don't know, captain of this catamaran was like, Hey, you know, you, you, you want to sail this? Do you have experience with that? And I went, yeah, I could do that. Sure. <laughs> and I totally did for like the next hour. It was great. It was awesome. This giant ship. And I was like, let's pull this line. Let's, let's do it. Do it live. Much like this podcast, we continue to get away with it. So, uh, so yeah, piloting a catamaran. I, I somehow, I like the cut of your jib. <laughs> <laughs> Christy, what about you? Uh, I was, I think 12 or 13. Um, I'm a band geek, huge band geek. And so of course I was at band camp and I played flute and I played clarinet and my roommate played a uh, tenor saxophone. And so for the first day of band camp, she, we somehow got this great idea to switch instruments. I had always wanted to try saxophone. What the hell? You know, so I spent a couple hundred dollars, you know, possibly even a thousand dollars to go and enrich my skills on a flute let's let's go ahead and try something completely different <laughs> that entire week uh the first day you know nobody knew who the hell anybody was so i did and actually that entire week saw me playing my roommate's tenor saxophone and actually began a very lengthy stint into jazz music for myself there's nice. no better way to do it than on tenor sax too that's the that's my favorite jazz instrument it was a lot of fun. It's I, I love playing flute for classical and things like that, but there are sometimes you just can't beat a good smooth jazz. <laughs> so you switch from a wind instrument to a reed instrument. Did people buy it like day one that you were like, yeah, she's a sax player. She's always played sax. Or was there a ramp up? So, so technically a saxophone is still a wind instrument, but yes, they absolutely bought it. And it was so bad that first time that I didn't even know how to hold the saxophone. And I was like holding it in between my legs and instead of off to the side. And nobody called me out on that. I, looking back, I'm like, how did I not get caught? Or did my instructors that I thought were so brilliant just not give? No, they needed a tenor sax player. <laughs> they need another tenor. That's that's what it comes to, man. That's how it works. <laughs> I, I, I'm also going to claim some credit for for faking that I know key differences between flute and sax. Oh yeah, they look very similar. <laughs> they don't. For those of you who you, ever one of them is that. silver and one's gold. That's I know that. Typically, I mean, probably not always. There are some really nice looking silver saxophones. Those are sharp. But those are also ridiculously pricey. Um, Should move on. I embarrass myself. Yeah, more. well, that was my plan, Matthew. <laughs> or, <laughs> or maybe not. Maybe I was just going to let you keep going. So we've moved on past these youthful indiscretions. How do we experience imposter syndrome today? Well, I feel like you know, adaptivist. For those of you who don't know, um, and you're an episode of 18 of this podcast. So if you've been listening for 17 other episodes, maybe, you know, but maybe this is your first time and that's okay. Uh, if you've never heard of adaptivists, uh, 
we work with the Elastin software and a big part of what we do is consulting. And I did consulting for like two, two and a half years for Adaptivist. I feel like that really triggers imposter syndrome because every client, something is different. Like in a normal job, you go in day one, it's hard for a few months. You go through that experience. Like, I don't know anything. I'm the worst at everything, but eventually you get comfortable, right? Like Brendan, I've talked about this before. We used to work at a university. We went through this with the jobs in consulting. You never get used to it. Like every week is something totally different. Sometimes every day is something maybe you haven't encountered and you've got to take your experience and figure out how to get over it. But man, it, it requires a special mentality to push past that each time. Yeah. We also, one thing that I've noticed is that we, we get the uh, privilege of dealing with some extremely brilliant people. Does that make uh, anybody feel a little bit like uh, I'm hanging in here just barely, you know? There's, there's definitely a feeling of I'm surrounded by geniuses. I mean, I'm, I'm a smart person, but there are some incredibly brilliant and talented people at Adaptivist, and there have been incredibly brilliant and talented people at the clients I've worked with. And it's very easy to fall into the trap of everyone knows better than me. And so it's like Matthew said, you're, you're dealing with something different potentially every day. Every project is different. You have different sizes. You have different needs. You have different requirements. You have different existing infrastructures. Every client does things a little bit differently. And so it's really easy to lose track of, I know what I'm doing. I'm here for a reason. I can contribute things because everyone else in the room is as smart or smarter than I am. So that's, that's one, one aspect in the project delivery phase that, that I personally run into, and it's because we have such talented people that we're working with, which is a great thing. Christy, what brings it out for you? You know, the Atlassian ecosystem is relatively small. And I, coming from a build and release engineering and config management engineering, you know, I owned the Atlassian applications. So I have contacts with an Atlassian, but Adaptivist was always, you guys had always stood out to me, even before I joined up with the company. So then when I joined with Adaptivist, all of a sudden I'm working with people that I have admired. Uh, Dan Hardiker, even Matthew Stubblefield, I've taken quite a few of your training courses at Summit over the last uh, three years, and I'm just like, wow, this guy knows everything, you know, as, as people are peppering them with questions. So it was my first day with an adaptivist that it just hit me like a ton of bricks. I'm like, how can I possibly measure up to somebody like Dan or Matthew? And then as I've gotten to know more and more people better, <laughs> it's... Not she helping my just... case. <laughs> <laughs> or is it? <laughs> yeah, no, it's really not. <laughs> well, you know, it's understandable. Um, but even, and speaking of the Atlassian ecosystem, um, Atlassian's co-CEO, Mike Cannon-Brooks, gave a TED Talk in Sydney about feeling the same way. Um, I mean, he even went toe-to-toe with Elon Musk on Twitter and felt like, oh, I'm way over my depth, but that dude is not. He, it's he's he's fully. Um, it's something that's kind we, of a big deal. Yeah, like kind of like he, he he's somebody who knows stuff. Yeah, not a whole. He's been, yeah, he he's been at it, and there. Yeah. You know, frankly, there's not a whole lot of billionaires in the world. 
and he's one of them. So, yeah, I mean, and it's not like financial success is the is the pure arbiter of knowledge. Um, I can think of some really pointed examples to the to the contrary, but um, we all do experience it, and some of us have this sort of personality type, that introvert versus extrovert thing, where some of us suffer it a little more quietly than others. Can you guys talk a little bit about your experience there? So I am a very introverted personality. And when you struggle with imposter syndrome, in addition to being an introvert, it becomes a perfect storm of situations to where I'm, I'm struggling with feeling like I'm good enough or, you know, that I'm up to par even only I, I lack the confidence in myself to be able to go out and say, Hey, I need help. Or are you struggling with this too? And so I begin going around and around. I'm almost like a dog chasing my own tail inside of my head, just trying to make heads and tails of it. We're like a dog with a bone chasing all the bones around the bone yard in the tail. (laughs) Somebody tied a bone to my tail and I can't reach it. (laughs) Yeah. See, I've lost my complete train of thought on that one. That's okay. <laughs> That's okay. You were you you said that you know you you start going around in a circle like a dog chasing its own tail in your head, which is a good image. It, well, yeah. So it's 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 just it's it's a never ending cycle. You know, I I just can't reach that tail, or I just can't reach that bone. I and. As I'm running around in the circle, it's going faster and it's going faster. And I'm not realizing that while I'm running in the circle, I'm digging myself into a hole. You know, it's and it's getting deeper and it's getting deeper. And I shut down and nobody and especially working in a remote environment, nobody has any idea that I'm shutting down, that I'm, I'm blocking everything out. I'm not communicating. I'm, I'm retreating into myself. I think it's a, you know, how introverts and extroverts process experiences and emotions and, and, and how we think our, our thinking process as introverts is usually it's, it's quiet. It's reflective. We, we have to spend some time by ourselves. Uh, but I've always heard that extroverts kind of think by talking with other people and, and working through these things. So Ryan, you're, a musician, you are a uh, semi-successful podcaster. Uh, <laughs> how do you how do you experience you know oh, I, how do you get past this when you experience it? Be, make no mistake, I experience it all the time. Um, it's just I don't let on that I am, and I don't shut up. So I don't I don't uh, <laughs> you know there there are plenty of times though where I have a lot of doubt about what I'm doing, but fortunately I. Um, I have enough of the uh, sort of uh, gumption to to put it aside and push past it, but that's purely like an extrovert slash massive ego thing. You know, after you've been on stage with a guitar in front of, you know, lots of people multiple times, it just start, sort of fades. So um, when I'm doing actual real like professional sort of work or when I'm talking with people who are like gazillion times smarter than I am in their given field, I am in the back of my mind, I'm hiding behind a sofa and I'm two years old and I'm trying to listen to what the grownups are talking about. But up front, I'm very composed and yeah, awesome. (laughs) So I'm lucky in that sense because I do think it's some of it's intrinsic, but 
so that's my strategy for dealing with it because I do I, I feel like it all the time. I think like the the one thing that I don't feel imposter syndrome is like when I'm cooking. I know I can do that. But everything else, from playing that guitar to doing this podcast to to building our our material and working with our clients, in the back of my head, I'm I'm always like, uh. um. So, but that's how I deal with it. But it sounds like there's a certain amount where you take comfort from your prior experience. Like you go, I've dealt with stuff. I therefore can deal with stuff. I still have all ten fingers, and we're doing yeah. great. I see Brenda nodding along a little bit. What are your thoughts on this, Brenda? So I have a couple of thoughts around um, experience, and and one is I can look at past experience. I did I did such and such project, and it was it was this kind of project, and it was a success. Or I was involved with this effort, and it was a success. And I can look back at past successes and go, clearly I'm doing an okay job. The other aspect of experience is I I realized a long time ago that these feelings were called imposter syndrome. And I want a quick shout out to our esteemed colleague, Johnny Carter, who I have worked with at the university prior to coming to Adaptivist. Um, Both of us are now at Adaptivist. He and I have had lots of conversations around this feeling of imposter syndrome. And if I was on a project and I was feeling really overwhelmed, I could go talk to Johnny and Johnny would be like, "You're, you're doing great. This is a success. Here are the reasons that this is good. And, and so that's always very helpful to have someone to be able to, to talk to about it. Um, so I've, I've known this about myself for long enough that I can look back at the times I've had this and I go, okay, I'm feeling like I don't know what I'm doing or that I'm going to make a mess of this. And I have felt this way before. And I know that these feelings mean I care. They mean that I'm probably doing a better job than I think. And I should go talk to Johnny. But it, it's really, I've, I've experienced this often enough and I've gone through that loop that I can identify that I'm in that and go, okay, this means you're probably doing okay. So that's, that's one way that, that I can use experience to, to kind of help with that imposter syndrome. Um, and, and then I had a, an experience not too long ago. I was at the Seattle AUG. Um, Jay Simons was doing his roadshow. And we had um, Vancouver and San Francisco and San Diego all live streamed uh, as this roadshow. And Jay's going through his outline of here's the things I'm here to talk to you about. And it's, oh, data center. I know, I know a lot about data center. Oh, bamboo. Hey, I, I, do, I deliver training on bamboo. I know a fair bit about that. And as we go through this presentation, it's like, I, I know about all these things that Jay Simons is here to talk to us about. I know what I'm doing. I have experience. I have a depth and a breadth of experience in the Atlassian ecosystem that I can sit here and go, I could, I could stand up in front of these people and, and give the same presentation. And, and maybe get more technical even. And that's nothing against Jay. He did a wonderful presentation. But it was very validating to sit there and listen to all these things that he's talking about and going, I know about all of that stuff. And the clouds and, and open. And it's things like that. Oh, <laughs> it's things like that that remind me that I do, in fact, have good, solid technical experience. I have a career behind me. I have a career ahead of me. I, I'm good at what I do. And it, it, those are the moments that I think about when I'm in the midst of the imposter syndrome loop where I think back and I go, yes, I do know things. And then I can kind of start to bring myself back out of it. So, Christy, do you ever see this as an opportunity for growth? Because we get into that loop and we know the only way that we're going to be able to cover for ourselves is by digging in. We have to dig in hard. So do you 
walk away sometimes after digging in and, and mastering the situation? Do you walk away feeling like, oh, eh, maybe I'm doing better than I thought? See, that's the funny part with imposter syndrome, and perhaps it's imposter syndrome and introvertedness coming in together. Um, I love digging in my heels. You know, I love proving myself wrong, actually. It makes me feel powerful to where I'm like, you know what? You're better than this. You can do this. Just just do it. Shut up and do it. I, I enjoy that. But that sense of accomplishment, you know, fine, I did it. I accomplished my goal. I, I did it better than expected or, you know, any of these situations. And I, at the end of it, I still go, but I didn't do it. I had help. Uh, Brenda helped me out. Um, in the age of Google, you know, I only pulled this off because I have awesome Google foo. You know, and that's where I struggle. So what are some ways that we can overcome? I think for me, because I am I am also at the, the deep end of the introversion spectrum. Uh, I am, uh, I'm one of those people who can go for weeks without saying a single word to anybody or seeing other human beings. And I'm pretty, pretty content. Unless you're on Adaptivist uh, Live. <laughs> and then we do, you know, we do see each other. Viewers, unfortunately, you don't get to see our smiling faces, but, uh, but yeah, we're, we're enjoying this web conference. Um, I, for me, it's, it's like Brenda was talking about, it's, it's experience. Um, I have, I've spoken in front of crowds of hundreds of people. I've gotten through difficult projects. I've, you know, dealt with stuff and it's, and it's perspective as well. Um, I always think of, uh, Oh shoot. What was, there was this guy uh, I used to work with who, uh, uh, had been a Colonel in the, in the, the armed services. And he very much had this perspective of, is anybody dead? No, this is fine. Like we're doing <laughs> projects, right? Like, it's not, this is literally not life and death. I've, I've been with life and death. That's not this. And that, that perspective I feel is very helpful for me to get past it. So like, I'm still processing internally as an introvert. I don't talk with other people about my feelings a whole lot. Uh, you know, I don't emote much necessarily, but I think back over those things. And I, I kind of wonder as, as Brent was talking, I was thinking about the value of journaling. Um, having something you can look back at. Like I, I write a blog post every week on Confluence to, to share with the company what we've been dealing with. And it's helpful for me sometimes to go back and look at something from three or six months ago. Like here's where we were and here's, you know, I compare that to where we are now and we're making progress and like having those sort of those, those touchstones um, that you can go back to could be really helpful. One thing that, that Brenda brought up earlier and I think is a really solid thing is sometimes one way that we can help each other out, right, is there's nothing that sets somebody off uh, internally than than a message, a little ping in your uh, hip chat room, in your hip chat that says, hey, can we talk, right? That's scary, scary. right? So the, the first thing that Do runs through my minute? mind, especially when it's someone higher up, someone that I report to, someone that I have a lot of respect for, is, oh gosh, they figured me out, I'm going to be fired. <laughs> and that's my reaction to, hey, do you have a minute? And, and I, I have to train myself to go, I'm, statistically speaking, I have not been fired in the past, so I'm likely not getting fired now. But there's that moment, that, that sheer 
this, this can only be that they have found me out and I'm a fraud and they're going to let me go. And so one of the things that, and Christy and I talked about this a little bit earlier was, um, when you message someone on hip chat, say, Hey, do you have a minute to talk about X, Y, and Z? Because that's just enough context to stave off the initial reaction, which is, Oh gosh, I've done something wrong or, I've messed something up or I'm going to be fired. Maybe it's not as severe as they're going to let me go, but it's, I've, I've screwed something up somewhere. I'm getting a talking to now. Yes. I'm I'm going to be, I'm going to be chastised. And and that statistically speaking, that doesn't happen. Um, So it's, if, if you say, Hey, do you have a minute to talk about this particular thing? My mind can immediately slot into, we're talking about this particular thing. I know what I'm talking about. Off we go. As opposed to, oh, I have to overcome this feeling of, of sheer existential I mean, angst. I still immediately go, oh, God, what did I do about that thing? But, <laughs> but I have that same reaction when I see that I've got 10 notifications on Facebook. And I'm like, oh, God, what did I do? Uh, so, but yeah, more, more context. That helps. So, you know, one of the things that, that might brace you in times of insecurity is the fact that there is an Atlassian certification program and, you know, we had a, a hand in creating that, but we don't give people answers. So Brenda and Christy, you've both been through it and you've both been certified, right? Certified. Certifiably certified. You, certified. Can, you can look back at that and be proud. But see, imposter syndrome, even being certified, even with having three certifications, even if I didn't have undeniable proof that I was the one taking that test, that I had no notes written on my arms. I wasn't wearing special glasses that allowed me to flip through pictures or anything. I mean, there, there is absolute proof that I did those tests. I still would not believe that I passed them. Well, I mean, with the test, you can you can have some confidence. You can, Criterion, they managed that. You passed it, Christy. You did it you on did your it. own. They and they're it. hard. They're hard tests. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, they are. <laughs> and they take your Google Glass away the moment you walk in the testing center. Uh, it's the Faraday cage in there. <laughs> but yeah, I, I feel like that, right? I feel like that goes back to the experience thing. I mean, similarly, I, I mean, I, I helped write a lot of the, the certification stuff. When I started at Adaptivist, I was like, I'm this kid from Southwest Missouri. Like, I'm working with people who have built and sold companies and who are CEOs and who have, who have, you know, graduated from Ivy League colleges and have done all this, this cool shit. And who am I? And then it turns out I, I know stuff, you know, uh, and I can look back on that and it, it is comforting. I think another way that, you know, we can draw comfort when faced with the Buster syndrome or that we can get past it is just some mental reframing. Like part of that is by experience, but there's also a reframing by going this, this, uh, it's kind of insecurity. It drives me to become better. Like it, it has a positive outcome or can have a positive outcome. And if we can help ourselves focus on that positive outcome and realize, well, what this says about me, isn't that I'm bad at things. What it says about me is that I really care. I care so much about this. I want to do such a good job. Well, that's a good thing. That's a praiseworthy thing. And so I think as we're struggling to overcome imposter syndrome or to at least get past it, you know, in the moment, a little bit of mental reframing of, of going like, I'm feeling this way because I want this project to be awesome and I want to help people and I care about people and I'm going to learn everything I need to do to accomplish that. 
um, I think that that can maybe help move us mentally into a more positive direction. And if you're the type of person who experiences that sort of doubt because you want to make things super excellent, you should visit joinadaptivist.com. <laughs> Shameless. Shame. Shameless. None of it. Christy. Yeah. Christy, so, I mean, I was, I was just going to add, like, for overcoming imposter syndrome, I think Brenda kind of hit the nail on the head. And Matthew, it, it is all about your own its perspective in trying to keep the right frame of mind. And it also requires a tremendous amount of self-awareness and knowing what your limits are. And finding a buddy. And Brenda is my buddy to talk to lately, and I just try to get it all out because if I don't, then I end up doing a brain dump of a blog that gets seen by the entire company and that just won't go away. And, and then they have you on podcast. The other part of that is not being afraid. <laughs> yes. And just not being afraid. I mean, sometimes you have to step outside of your comfort zone and ask for help. The help is there. And it can be in very surprising locations. Without asking, you are never going to know who is also suffering with you. So one thing that I have noticed, especially as it relates to, like, going through the certification process or just being faced with a technical project. Um, really, this is an opportunity. Every time you're handed something that you're not familiar with, this is an opportunity for growth. And I've seen consultant after consultant after consultant go, I don't, I don't know exactly how to do this, but I'm going to figure it out. And then sit down and spin up an instance and practice. I've run through this. I've documented what the process is. I've, I've built this on my own, I can build this in front of the client. And then I've seen project after project after project be a success. And, and we've, had, we've had congratulations from Atlassian on how successful some of these projects have been because someone sat down and said, I'm not the expert right now, but I'm gonna be at the end of this project and I'm gonna sit down, I'm gonna figure out how this is gonna work. And so that is, when, you, when you're feeling, you know, gosh, I don't know what I'm doing, that's an opportunity for you to take, this is an opportunity for you to take the time to learn something. You know, I'm not an expert right now, but I will be at the end of the project. And that's, that is something that I can really hold on to when I'm faced with something like that, that I don't know how to do is I don't know how to do it now, but I'm going to know how to do it. The the operative word is now. I can speak from experience in saying that all of you are definitely the real deal. Thank you for taking the time to be with us today. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you very much. Pleasure as always. And thank you, Brenda and Christy, for joining us. All right. So, do you have a suggestion for the podcast? Please feel free to send it to learn at adaptivist.com. And, like I mentioned earlier, if you're the type who wants to really see a project through to its greatest success and you're not already an adaptivist, visit joinadaptivist.com. For Matthew Stubblefield, Brenda Burl, and Christy Lyons, I'm Ryan Spilkin. We'll see you next week on Adaptivist Live. happy little time difference so london had seen it when i woke up yeah nothing nothing actually gets removed from the internet anyway <laughs>